Good evening, everybody. Welcome to episode 187, which is hard to believe because we started this thinking that the lockdown would just, oh, we're going to flatten the curve and everything's going to be great and not a big problem. And now we're watching as we're going into a season where it seems to never end. Businesses are shutting, continuing to be shut down. We're watching uh, the mayor in New York closing schools yet again, threatening to close, close synagogues and churches. Uh, we're watching in the state of California where, uh, yes, uh, infections are high, but deaths and, and hospitalizations are, are down. They're lower than they were in June. And, and here we are watching our economy crumble and the things that they're shutting down, which is interesting with Solzhenitsyn. He said in the Gulag Archipelago, he said that they closed churches and gymnasiums. And so tonight, uh, to my left here is John Hackleman. And it, I, I am a complete novice. And I would think that even you, David, you're going to be struggling with this. I'm more of a novice okay, than so, your novice. So take me and divide that in half, and that's what David is. So the two of us, we don't even make one as far as a, a really educated fan of what this man is responsible for, for bringing um, really kind of a sport that is an amalgamation of all kinds of different fighting techniques. And, and, um, and, and you were the one that you know, Chuck Liddell trained with you. He, he, he hit the big time. Uh, you told me a story how you guys met. And this is like UFC, MMA. This is in the ring, in the pit, as your shirt declares. Uh, you got to take it from here because David and I are just going to kind of listen and pretend like we know what we're talking about. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, um, <laughs> I, I think it's just a part, this, like, this art, uh, which is a sport. It's a sport. MMA is a sport. It's, it is a sport. Um, Seriously, a, you're 60 years old and you are fit as a fiddle. So uh. I'm just, is it the watch or the tattoos that makes it so that Rob and I can look like you? Is that what it takes? Or? No, it's called working out, which <laughs> oh. neither of us do. Uh, <laughs> okay. You see the tattoos, though. I mean... He's got, a you spider, get, he's got a Spider-Man on his belly, but now it's Elastawoman. Wow. <laughs> no, but you guys, you can get like... Great. You can get like... Real in the secrets. To go, you know... For your, you know, your, your occupation, your passion, you could have like a cross with something, some, you know, some, you could put some, you know, a Psalms, something Psalms. I think a lot of the fighters do Psalms. I don't even know what it is. 144. I forget. But anyway, you could do like a, a couple of verses and a, and a cross and stuff. That would look cool on you. And you could get like and a trust plane. Trust me, it would look at oh. this point like a weeping willow. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's just that. No, because you're just hey, insecure about that. you really want that. to show it. I think, yeah, I think you should just, <laughs> you should just be proud of it and, and then have that. Um, and then maybe work out a little if you, if that's what you want to do, but I think it'll look good. Then you get like a plane, like with a, with a, with a, can we switch the topic? Cause I'm really with, just with the wings <laughs> like over your shoulder. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. You're, you're originally, so. you're, you, you were sharing with me your history and I want folks to track this because a lot of the folks that are tuning in, many of them are big fans of yours and big fans of Chuck's and, they they know the sport and they know the progression of the sport and how instrumental you were in helping bring it to the the big time and yet you were sharing with me what i didn't know is how you began that your your dad was a in the in the army you get you guys get stationed in hawaii and you and your sister you're you're not hawaiian well yeah my dad actually got a job in Hawaii. He was a newspaper writer. When he was in the army, he was, uh, uh, he was in Europe. But anyway, 
he got us to Hawaii when we were young. I was four, and I think my sister was five. And growing up in Hawaii uh, in the late 60s, early 70s, it just wasn't fun. Like being, uh, especially with blonde hair, I had really blonde hair, and it just wasn't fun. You I, heard you I, heard the <laughs> word effing howly a lot. Yeah. And it's like, I thought that was like a, a nickname. Effing is not. an abbreviation yeah. for the... The F-word. adjective, yeah, that, yeah, that so, goes with Howley, which means friendly Howley. White. Well, it means, or, yeah, that's what they call white people, even though it, it actually translates, I think, to foreigner. But, like, if you're black, Asian, Hispanic, you're, you're welcome right in, you know? I mean, Obama went to school there, and he was welcomed in. He never saw any race, racism. But, uh, but Howley translates to foreigner. But for some reason, they only call whites Howleys for some reason. And so, it's usually effing Howley. So, so you grow up with that. This is, this is where you live at four years of age. And you either, it's kind of like the Boy Named Sue song. You, you have to either get tough or die. Yeah. So if I didn't, uh, so I started training. And I, I was like eight years old, nine years old. I think I was eight, eight and a half. And I knew that I went to a pretty soft elementary school because my mom didn't want me to go to the one that we lived in the neighborhood of so she pulled some strings and knew this person so I went to a a really a softer nicer elementary school um, in a nicer neighborhood but I knew after sixth grade I'm in seventh grade it's going to be a junior high school which we call intermediate school and it was rough yeah. And there's no way around that. So it's like, you know, waking up knowing, you know, in a, in, in a little while, things are going to get a lot tougher. <laughs> and I knew I had to prepare for that. So at nine years old, I started looking in the yellow pages for a martial arts school. <laughs> and this is me, myself. My, already my parents are divorced. And, and like, oh gosh. this is just me doing it. And I finally found one because I liked the, the, uh, the logo on the, on the ad. So I called it, and uh, yeah, yeah, come on in. It's going to, you know, uh, you know, we have classes at such and such, such and such time. So at like nine years old, I get on a bus, and I went down there. All right, now, I- I'm a minister. I got to ask you the question because it's, it's just, it's intriguing to me because everything for me, I look at a spiritual side of it. As a family, you were saying that you, Catholic exposure at a young age, parents not, like we used to call it, in my family, CEO Christians, Christmas and Easter only is the yeah. only time we'd ever darken the doors of a church. And I don't even remember because I was the youngest of four. They stopped by the time I came along. But my siblings remember going to church for Christmas and Easter. Was that about the same kind of upbringing? It just kind of wasn't there for the yeah. most part? Uh, no, it wasn't there at all. My dad was agnostic and my mom was a severe, a severe Atheist. So, so for, for the folks tuning in, agnostic means agnosis without knowledge. There's a God. I don't know who that who God is, but I know there is a God. That's right. Yeah. And an atheist is there is no creator, no designer. Um, and you're stupid if you think there is. You, yeah. That's what my that's what my mom was. I thought you were saying they're stupid if they think there isn't. But I <laughs> no. Got you. No, so so I, when, I'm sorry I called your mom stupid. That's not very nice. Forgive me. <laughs> God, God rest her soul. Bless her. She's, <laughs> sorry, mom. She's yeah. dead. And, and, but anyway. Yeah, and mine is too. And they're talking to each other. So. Oh, well, so, I hope so. So I went I'm, to, I, really uh, I just knew there was. I knew, that, I mean, I started fighting. I think you, you can't be, you can't be an atheist 
if you're in the army and the military of any, you know, or a fighter, any kind of fighter, or basically any kind of alpha male. I don't think you can be a, I don't think you can. Help me with that. Why, why is that? I don't know. We just, you we understand know. authority, you understand strength and power and it goes up the and we know team. that we know that we're, we're we're humble because we know that we can get our ass kicked and we know humility let is me translate that butt kick no i'm just kidding <laughs> you, you go ahead and, and I, I think i've used the word ass because it's in the new king or it's in the king james version how is it used as a donkey oh. <laughs> yeah. not the donkeys anyway so i knew and 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 the ox and we know. ass are lowing you didn't hear that it's it's in the christmas song i never heard that yeah yeah, I'm gonna okay. learn, I have a feeling I'm going to learn more than anyone during this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but I knew that, and, and we know that, guys, alpha males know that there's something better than us. Beta males think they're the best and they're just so great <laughs> and they don't have to train because nobody's going to pick on me because you should not do that. And, and we don't. We know, that, we know that life gets tough. Yeah. And we know that somebody's got to take care of us. And, 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 and you're accountable to them. Yeah, yeah, and we are. And we, so we train hard. Uh, so, I, so go I, on. I wanted, I, this is good because you're going to like this. Uh, are you going to translate the beta male for? No. Uh, I will. He's, he's doing a great job. I will. <laughs> no, no. She's sitting over there in a the corner right now wearing a floral dress. Right, let, me, anyway, let me help you with something. The beta male. I mean. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> you weren't talking about him. No. The so, beta male. So in the, in the scriptures, Jesus had unbelievable respect for Roman centurions. And these were pagans, meaning that they were polytheistic. They worshiped many gods. But the thing he respected about the centurions in two different accounts in the scriptures is that they were men under authority. They knew how the world worked. So it's fascinating to me that you're telling me that guys who are in the pit, who are in the ring, who are in the, what, hexagon? Octagon. Octagon, excuse me. See, I'm clueless. There are hexagons. People are going to laugh It'd at me. It'd be a circle. Yeah. Anyway, go on. So, so people who are in that world realize there's, there's somebody above you that's going to take you out and, and you're always mindful and you're learning from people. I, I just, I found that fascinating that you, you don't, you don't have to be in church every Sunday reading the scriptures to recognize, yeah, there's, there's somebody yeah. greater than me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you see so many fighters, whether it's boxing, kickboxing or MMA, they are, I mean, I, I would say I would say the huge majority of them, much more than the general population, believe that there is a God. They they know there is one, and they feel it every time they step into a cage or a ring. Yeah, and they and they ask for safety. Yeah, if you're in a plane going down. You're not an atheist anymore. <laughs> you're believing in God. If your kid just got diagnosed with something bad, yeah. you're not an atheist anymore. Yeah. If you're in a foxhole, you're not an atheist. Yeah. So that's well, how. I, I, sitting in that same seat was Boss Rutten. And, and his, his, his experience when he, he was exposed to Catholicism when he was young, kind of walked away from it through the course of his life. And in this season, I mean, he's in church every day. And he had shared when he was on our live stream, just the significance of it, where you know, I've been there, I've done that, I got the t-shirt, there's got to be something more to life. And I, I so appreciate your candidness, because the one thing you share with me is, yeah, I'm not a real churchgoer, but I believe God exists. And for people who love what you do and admire the sport and the way you've taken it and, and, and brought it into the mainstream, uh, 
this is, this is somebody who really contemplates life. And, and I want folks to know that because I had a chance to sit with you and meeting you and your wife. I, I was really intrigued. You bless me. Nice. Thank you. So, so walk me through the story. So, so you're young. Uh, you're taking the bus to go figure out how not to get beat up every day. Uh, we, of course, you weren't. You're probably tough even back then. But no, I was so not tough. But so I get into this. I, f- I find the place, which is two buses away. Um, you had to transfer, and I walk into this place, and it's like 400 square feet, barren, empty um, place with a hanging bag. It had a hanging bag and a couple pads on the wall, which we hit. We call it makiwaras. It's to build up our hands. And I walked in. I just thought, and there were some guys training, and they had black uniforms. We call them geese. And I just walked in. I knew, I knew right then and there. At nine years old, I knew this is my life mm. from now on. I'll never leave this place. 400 square foot bi- uh, room is yeah. a room. Yeah. And I walked into my instructor's, he had an office and he was sitting there, big local guy, tattoos all over. And I go, yeah, hey, I, I, you know, I want to start training. And he looked at me, he goes, all right, go, go out there, go train. Is he still alive? No, he passed away. Um, was, was he just blown away when you came back through and he, after notoriety? He, and- I was with Godin, Walter Godin was his name. Google that and you'll find out how tough he really was. But he was, he was, uh, he was my mentor, sensei, martial arts instructor from 1969 till he passed away in, 19, in 2001. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he saw me go through everything from getting my black belt to starting my own gym. He even was there when Chuck Liddell... And, and my first group of black belts um, got their black belt. He came, he flew to the, the mainland because I was already living in San Luis Obispo area. He came and watched me. He loved the pit. He loved that I changed our old system, which was called Kaji Kempo, Karate, Judo, Jiu-Jitsu, Kempo, and Boxing. And that was an old Hawaiian system that was created in 1947. And who did that? Who, who created Five guys created it. Basically, so they could beat up white guys downtown. Um, 1947, there was a big military uh, presence, American, and it wasn't a state yet. Hawaii wasn't a state. And there were a lot of white guys that would go down to Hotel Street, um, which is where all the the bars and stuff were. And the local guys (laughs) didn't like them. They didn't like them being there. Um, so they, they started this system, five guys got together and they started training in parks and, and, um, rec centers and stuff. And they put their systems together. They got a guy from karate, a judo guy, a jujitsu guy, a kempo guy, and a boxing guy. So it's a hybrid, the best of all of the different mm-hmm. martial do you, arts. Do you train in each one and then choose which one you're going to use no. or you combine They're them together? They're all combined. It's, it's, like it's, it's a seamless mm-hmm. system. It was the first... MMA system ever is, is formed in 1947. So, so you're, you're trained under this and then you develop it into a whole different style when you come to California? When I got out of the army. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank that, you for your service, by oh, the way. Thank you. Infantry. Infantry, 11 Bravo, 1st to 27th, uh, 27th Wolfhounds over there in Hawaii, 1st to 25, uh, 25th Infantry Division. But... Um, um, and second generation, your dad was... My dad on. was 82nd Airborne. Wow. He was also 11 Bravo Infantry. Um, right. But uh, he, um, 
What were we talking about? You're going, you, you brought it. Yeah, how, you took, how, you, how you took Kempo and brought it and, brought and, it and redesigned it and from, brought it. Yeah. After the army, um, I moved to, I moved to California where I wanted to become a fighter. And then I ended up going to college, became a registered nurse, a respiratory therapist. Did, wait, you're just skipping that. A respiratory therapist, registered nurse, and spent time did. in the army. Yeah. And you, you come to California real close by, wasn't it? Woodland Hills. I started, yeah, I started, I, I moved to Venice from, from the army and I had a lot of fights, boxing matches and some kickboxing fights. I moved to the Valley was for there, a was while. There, was there any, a, any remuneration in that, any money that you would gain or was it just to perfect this, the sport, the skill, um, the talent, the... I had, I already had kids, so I was working a lot. So I never, and I never really had a passion to be a world champion. I won a world title in kickboxing. Uh, I wasn't really that good in boxing. I was pretty tough. I hit pretty hard. I won the Golden Gloves a few times in and, Hawaii. And they wanted you to do that for the Army, or did you do I that did, for the Army? I did. I made the all-Army boxing team as well. But I just didn't love it. I didn't love the fighting. I didn't love it. It was just, it was just something I just felt like I had to do. A um, quick question before we get... Did, did they start leaving you alone in Hawaii before you moved? <laughs> Good. Okay. I started training with Godin, and I knew that he was going to make me tough. I could tell right off the bat. So by the time I was 12, I already had probably four or five tattoos, and I was, nobody was going to take my lunch money. I knew for a fact <laughs> nobody was going to take my lunch money. So I'm at, now I'm in this junior high school. Kind of intermediate, and I'm in the I'm in the cafeteria. We're waiting in line. Twenty five cents. That's our lunch money. Yeah, I remember. And then yeah. we buy our lunch, and they give us, you know, they give you a tray. And some guy came up to me in front of everybody, um, and he, hey, Holly, give me your lunch money. And that was kind of a lo- you know a local thing yeah. to do. But I wasn't gonna give my lunch money. I, I was training with Godin. <laughs> By then, I had so much confidence. It's just like I couldn't believe it. I go, I'm gonna give you my lunch money. We started to fight. Right there in the cafeteria. Got broken up right away. And he goes, ah, I'm going to kick your ass Monday. I'll meet you at the back, back uh, campus. So I knew I was in for a war. And this was a big guy. His name was Daryl Silva. And he was, you know, a big, tough guy. So Monday, I go back to school. And I was training all weekend. Why well, do you look at me like that? You want beef, man? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you sound like, a, yeah, it's like Italian. You sound hey, like, hey, you know what I'm saying? I'm just kind of mixing <laughs> no, the two. No, no. Boom. Hey, how you doing? Here. I've never like, been bro. to Hawaii for that kind of thing. <laughs> that's amazing. You know his name. That's like 45 years ago. He's a, you know the guy's name. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was a long time well, ago. That's because he tattooed his name on his <laughs> yeah, forehead. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> was, and you know what? The last time we went back to Hawaii, because we go there every year for black belt testing and, and ceremonial thing, I went to look for him. Because uh-huh. I know where he used to live. I knew the area. And I've been looking for him for the past few years, every time I go over there. Uh-huh. He's been in prison, in prison, in prison. Mm. I guess I found out he got out. Uh-huh. So last time I went back, I thought oh, I get to meet him and I just want to hug him and thank him <laughs> because he helped me make me, make me who I am. He's dead. Uh-huh. He died. So sorry. Um, but so, I, so, so you, we, you got to meet after school. So we fight. It was actually before school and before we met school. on uh, that following Monday and I ended up beating the heck out of him. <laughs> and in front of everybody, there was like a, a wave. Uh, There's a whole crowd of people. So the fights, the fights over. Um, I knew right then and there 
Nobody, nobody was ever going to look, uh, nobody's going to tell me what, what are you looking at? I never was going to, I was going to, I was never going to divert or, or avert my gaze ever. I was never going to look away from anyone. I was never going to give up my lunch money ever again. And I never did. And I thank uh, Daryl for that. And I thank uh, Walter Gooding for that. Yeah. So that kind of brought that together. And from then I was, I was kind of the guy at school. So they, they would be like, the guy's a Holly guy, but he's one of us, you yeah, know? They got rid of the F in front of Holly. Yeah, and that was, <laughs> I went from F and Holly to Super Holly. And that, that was them joking around. And it went from Kill Holly Day to Kill Local Day. I'm joking. But anyway. I want to I see the tattoo says Super Holly. Yeah. yeah. I, I had a similar experience, and people are going to be very moved by it, that uh, there was an enormous kid in our school beat the daylights out of everyone we went on a whale watching trip and he was arm wrestling all the kids and i was the next biggest kid in the class so they said you know you arm wrestle him as i went forward to do it my friend jess humphrey was smart i didn't have brains he pulled me back he said no not yet and he waited till this guy arm wrestled everybody and his arm was shaking he goes now and i went up and i took him down and i never had to worry about it i didn't have to beat the daylights out of him but i beat him in arm wrestling on a whaling uh, well, watching boat. So I'm pretty tough too. Yeah. I just wanted you to know. It's a, it's a real similar story. <laughs> Very similar story. Go ahead. Where were you? Well, I, I, I can't follow that. I can't follow that. You know, like arm wrestling. Yeah. That, that strategy seemed to pay off just as well. When I used to work at the Sagebrush, okay, I was a counselor, I was the uh, bouncer of the Sagebrush Cantina. Yeah. And I remember once the true story. I swear, some guy, some big guy, comes in and goes, "Hey." You think you're such a tough guy? I'll arm wrestle you. Go arm wrestling? Why would we want to arm wrestle? How about we go in the back parking lot and fight like so, like real men? But anyway, sorry. sorry my I'm bad. joking. I'm joking. No, no. But anyway. true. It hurts. But go ahead. Where were we? <laughs> he did arm wrestle the guy. We gotta give can him you, that. Can you hang on? I'm gonna go get a dress. <laughs> a floral house dress. It has to be a floral house dress, or it doesn't count. All right. But anyway, so what, where are we? Okay, so. I don't know where we are. I don't even know. It doesn't even matter anymore. We can oh, use counseling. Came, yeah, so we're. Yeah, no, you come over here. You, 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 you get a name for yourself. You, you're strengthened. You come over here. And now you've redesigned Kempo and you had Kenpo. Right. Yeah. So, well, I did Kaju Kempo and even Kaju Kempo, which is probably one of the toughest martial arts, it's really a hardcore one. And they like to, like, do a lot of impact training like they want to be tough they talk about they talk about uh, animal instincts all the time killer instinct all the time Kaja Kempo is a very street oriented there's no Miyagi's in, in Kaja Kempo most of the instructors are you know guys in and out of prison rough guys it's, it's a rough art but when I came but they still did some of those katas which I couldn't stand and they did some stances and some movements that I just, by being a fighter, I just couldn't figure out where that would come into the equation. And when I'd ask my instructor, like when I was a kid, like, hey, chief, why are we doing this move? And he'd always say, even when I was like 10 years old, he'd go, shut the F up and just do it. And when you get your black belt, do whatever you want. Mm. He would tell me that. Like, follow the rules, and then you're right. the right to do what you want. Right. Yeah. So when I got my black belt, and but that's I, that's teaching you authority. Yeah, and and I I've yeah I I did, and I got I did all that, <laughs> and I got my black belt the way he wanted me to. Uh, but then when I got out of the army, I started training. I wanted to make my own system of fighting. 
So I wanted to take all the good things of Kajikempo, the killer instinct, the, the hardcore philosophy, the old school training methods, but I wanted to take out everything that I felt wasn't productive in a real fight, effective. So I, and I knew I couldn't call it Kajikempo because it wasn't really Kajikempo. It would be, you know, I'd be, you know, telling a lie. So I wanted to rename it. And the word Kempo, whether you spell it with an N or an M, means law of the fist. Okay. So I loved that. So I, I, so I thought, well, shit, I'll call it, I'll call it Hawaiian Kempo. <laughs> so I call it Hawaiian Kempo, and I got, you and know. And by the, the way, if anyone's worried about some of the adjectives he's using, I, I told him, you're welcome on the show, yeah. and, and those adjectives are going to slip out, and welcome to the world that yeah. we're trying to engage in. To, I, I'm, I just, it's okay. <laughs> you don't, don't lose sleep over it. But um, it, it, cause they're adjectives to you. I'm yeah. good with it. Um, I'm, I'm using yeah, really like, anybody's going to dispute it. And you're it doing really say the whole word though. <laughs> no, you're doing you're doing really well. Oh, yeah, you're doing really well. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Keep usually, coming back. It works. Usually, my yeah. wife is doing this like wherever I am. <laughs> it's a twelve step process. Yeah, yeah. 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 So where were we? Okay, so to, So I took out all the katas and I made this system. And I called the Hawaiian camp and I started training my backyard. I was still fighting when I got out of the army and I became a respiratory therapist. And I was still fighting, even though I worked, you know, you know, 12 hour shifts in the hospital, but I was still fighting. So I wanted a place to train. So I set up a little, a little gym in my backyard in Woodland Hills. Bigger than 400 square feet. It was actually about 500. Okay. Mm. Um, and then... And, and I started training. Some of the guys from the hospital want to come train with me. So one of the guys, man, this place is small, man. It's like a pit. And that's why he's called it Boom. the pit. And then we came up with the logo. And next and, thing and, I know. And that, that changes everything. It changed everything. Because it, it, that becomes iconic. It did. We, we, we got a logo made. We got, and people started hearing about the pit. And, um, you know. Out, out of curiosity, what age were you at when all this was happening? 25. Oh, so you're 25, still pretty young. 25, yeah. Oh, 25, 26, yeah. yeah. And then right, right about 30, I moved up to San Luis Obispo. And this time... I what, bought, what, what sent you up there? I mean, it's a beautiful area. My wife went is, to school there. Is. Your wife went to school there. Yeah, she did. Um, so Chuck. Uh, yeah, he yeah. did. He's, a, he's an accountant. Um, we were living in Woodland Hills, and that's where my wife, she's a registered nurse, and I was done fighting, didn't have to be in L.A. anymore. She was from this, that area. And we both decided, let's just get out of L.A. and move up north. So we did that, bought some acreage, built it. First thing I did was build a gym on it, named it The Pit, and started training myself and people there. Um, we got div- me, me and her got divorced almost instantly, but I kept the property. And uh, it, it started, I started now, training people. Was she people. the mother of your no. three or the one? No, she's neither. not. Neither, okay. neither. I wasn't sure which. Yeah, we didn't have any together. Okay. I, and I'm, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not here to cause any beef with you. I, I and you. You use any word you want. Yeah. And if anyone has an issue with it, yeah. you come take them yeah. on. I am scared to death right now. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. Yeah. So we. Uh, so we moved out there and then uh, <laughs> bought the property and I started training at the pit. I started. I called it the pit and, uh, you know, it, it's it, it went from there. Then I, you know, I met Chuck. Next thing you, you, you got to talk about how you met Chuck. Yeah, That's yeah. a great story. Please. Okay. All right. So I meet, I, so I'm, I'm in the backyard training a bunch of people. Um, my gym there is about eight, 800 square feet. 
around. So it's a little bigger. I'm, I'm able to fit about 10 people in there. And we're training and we're uh, um, having a good time. And then some guy from Another San dojo or whatever he gets yeah, irritated. He has a dojo called Koikon. And he, he doesn't like what I'm doing because he thinks it's uh, um, dishonoring his martial art. So he calls me and challenges me to a fight, basically. Talk about, you know, a little bit hypocritical. So I, <laughs> I accepted his challenge. He said, you know, we're, we're, no rules. We're going to fight, you know, street fighting, no rules. My system's better than yours. She's like, this is like a real-life Ip Man. It, it was. Was that guy doing the wax on, wax off thing oh, at his place? Ip Man. <laughs> Not Karate Kid. You got to watch it. We're but, <laughs> so I go over there, and, and I said, Let, yeah, let's just, if you really think your system's better than mine, I'll come over to your, your dojo and let's, and let's see who's is better. Let's throw down. And so I go over there on a Friday night and I go in and now all of a sudden he's, he's, he's got a back injury. So he can't do it. So I said, all right, we'll reschedule. He goes, no, my guy out there is, he's, he'll, he'll fill in for me. And I look out there and there's this guy with a mohawk. And I swear, the first thing I thought was, who has a mohawk? I mean, what? <laughs> Who has a mohawk? Why would anybody have a mohawk? <laughs> Let me just tell you something. Chuck Liddell is the only person that I've seen, except for Mr. T, that actually, <laughs> it, he makes that mohawk look it, good. It works. And he's got, it works. It, and he's got some tattoo of Chinese lettering yeah. that just, I mean, I, I look at that, I'm like, it works. It works. It yeah. works for him. And it doesn't work it, for most. Yeah. doesn't work for most. Yeah. They look kind of... I'm not going to say. No, let's just leave it alone. Yeah. It works for Chuck. <laughs> so, so he pointed to Chuck. I went out there. We got introduced, and we went at it. And now, we went now, at it. Now, at the time, Chuck is he, he's, Cal Poly, he, he's a, a Cal Poly getting his CPA. He wants to be a CPA. Yep. And, uh, and, and he's wrestling. He's wrestling and doing this traditional uh, karate system. But he's a tough kid. I mean, he's really tough. So we go at it, and, and, and after about 10 minutes of going at it, he, we're done. His instructors had enough. And he asked me if I could train him. Chuck did. Chuck did, yeah. So I give him my card. Next thing I know, he's, he's showing up in my gym the next day. And we start training together. And he's, I knew this guy had it. Not, not the fighting as much. Um, because right then, I just knew he was tough as nails. And I didn't know how good a fighter he was going to be. But I knew he had it. Whatever yeah. that it is, he, he had it even then. Question. Without the, a doubt. The, the, the dojo guy that had a back problem, does he to this day try to take credit for training Chuck? Or? I don't think so. No. I, I, I ended up talking to him a couple of times. He ended up moving to Santa Barbara, mm -hmm. Koi Khan. He has a gym there now. Um, I can't remember his name, but yeah. seemed like a nice guy after that. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, whatever. He was. He had to do his through his little macho thing out there, and that's fine. I've so, done that too. So you, yeah, we all have. <laughs> not the same way. No. So, so you, so you, you, you train, you, you train Chuck. You, you bring him into these did. different styles. Yeah, and and I expose did. him to all that. I did. When when does it get into this full fledged fighting and bringing the sport? To notoriety. And when, when, on the 187, was that on purpose? Why? Why? 
that, that's, that's the penal code for murder, but okay. Uh, I, I, <laughs> you know, <laughs> two of us didn't know that. 187 yeah, in yeah. the house. You never yeah. heard that like in rap songs? Yeah, no, never did. Uh, no. Anyway, okay. I listened. Yeah, yeah I'm a minister. <laughs> Yo, what's yeah, up? I, 187. All right. Even when I wasn't a minister, still didn't know what 187 yeah. was. That's what it is. So thanks. Oh, I know what a 5150 is. <laughs> <laughs> My wife's been 5150. Yeah. yeah. When I was a lifeguard, I know what 109 is. It's like, repeat that, please. That's I'm not sure how we're going to turn all these loose ends together, all it, the it stories. Don't have to. <laughs> we're going to be like, we're going to be like, what about Saul? Or what, yeah. where was that show <laughs> called? Call Saul. Yeah. yeah, it's like, it's like going back to in the old days, then it's back to present. Then it's, it, it keeps all, mixing it. It'll all come back. It makes no and sense to me. folks are used to me. They're tracking us. Yeah. Okay. Okay. 187. All right. So how does it, how does it, how does it, the trajectory just hit the ceiling with like what that. has now become probably the, the fastest growing, most popular sport. It is. I'm telling you, the two people, two people, I say the two people who are most uh, responsible for MMA, the UFC, all of it, the martial arts. MMA has changed martial arts because it's exposed so many fo- phony arts. Yeah, it's, it's, and a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a test lab right. it's like for a, what yeah. works on the street. It does, yeah. it does. Yeah. Um, and it's the Gracies, uh, mainly Hoist Gracie, and then Dana, Dana White. Dana now, White, those the, two. The Gracies were like Brazilian jiu-jitsu yep. kind of thing, and, and then Gracie... Uh, uh, Dana, White, White. Dana White. Dana White is the, the president of the UFC. Without those two guys, those two people, they, I think they are the more responsible for... I think Chuck's the pivotal guy where Chuck kind of turned the corner with, it, with, uh, with the UFC and MMA. He was that guy. He was the blue collar. Everybody yeah. loves Chuck. Um, fight anybody. He's an outstanding wrestler, but he'd rather keep it standing and keep it banging. Um, and and so he's he showed people that you can you can you can sprawl and you can brawl and so he was at a, a very pivotal time with the UFC and he was a huge huge uh, uh, influence. And 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 when you guys worked together and trained, is that something you said? You know, th- stand in there. You can take him to the ground. You can do a submission no. hold. You can. He just no. took that on and said. When this is what I I'm trained doing. Chuck, I trained Chuck just in, for the street. Okay. And then he kept wanting to fight, wanting to fight, wanting to fight. And I was like, bro, I've had enough fights for the both of us. Let's just train and have fun. Go be a CPA and, you know, we can go, you know, have a good time. And he's like, I really want to fight, man. I think you can take me there. I was like, you can't say no to that, you know. So, um, So I said, all right, let's do it. But I just trained him on all the different aspects. But I specialized on the stand-up and keeping the fight standing. And then he had, you know, he worked on all that other stuff. Almost all that other stuff came from him, his ingenuity. Uh, Boss was telling us that the submission holds, you know, weren't really popular. And then he he was starting to kind of lose the edge until he had to go back and learn the submission holds. Who, him or or Chuck? Uh, I was talking about Boss. Yeah, yeah, he he did that. And and were you guys already equipped with that? That was your forte... I mean, no, our forte was uh, was uh, the punching, the the stand up, the striking, the defending the takedowns, and doing takedowns. Mainly, Chuck was was uh, we worked a lot on that. I I learned more from Chuck than he did me, um, but we worked on how to keep the fight standing without actually having to sprawl. Um, the submissions and stuff came from 
mainly like Scott Adams, who was a San Luis Obispo Cal Poly wrestler who was really well-versed in submissions. And, and so is, you're 60 years old. I'm 56. I was, I was commenting. I mean, you really do take good care of yourself. Oh, but at 60 years of age, you're still training the top fighters in the country and, and it's an evolving sport that you've got to stay ahead on. It's like a, the best way I can describe it is like, let's say a record producer or, you know, you got to know what's hip. You got to know what's, what's, and, and you get a little bit it. older and you. I hate it. Yeah, but. I hate it. But I how, it. how do you do that? Because you're still highly successful. They still come to you. The pit is the place. I hate, because I, I hate the wrestling part um, and I hate the jujitsu part. And the, it's actually broken into a. Uh, into um, four parts, the wrestling, the jiu-jitsu, the striking, and the conditioning. The conditioning and the striking I love, um, and the takedown defense, so that's part of the wrestling. I like the wrestling, that part, but the jiu-jitsu I can't stand, um, but it's such an integral part. It's can you, so important. Can you describe for folks who don't understand jiu-jitsu what, what you're speaking like, of? Okay, so, and, and the difference maybe between just traditional jiu-jitsu and Brazilian, I don't know if that's possible. Yeah, jiu-jitsu is, is anything, to me, as soon as it hits the ground, everything from then on is jiu-jitsu. So it's top position, getting out of the bottom, keeping the top, submitting someone, different submissions, right. or defending submissions. To me, can that's you, what jiu-jitsu is. I might go even one. What submission? Is like that like just, a choke, like an arm bar. Like a shoulder lock, like a leg lock. Anything they have to tap anything, out of. Anything where they got to tap or, or, or choke. Or, or like in uh, you know, the, the Disney, like a whooshy finger. Uh, it's very famous. Well, yeah. <laughs> you, you didn't see it. I, my kids grew up. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Where were you, John? Sorry. Where's the dress? <laughs> what is a whooshy? I don't want to know. Is it like checking the oil? Well, <laughs> you, if your, your little kids would watch it. And it was the panda thing and kung fu panda and the whooshy finger thing. It, it's, yeah. I mean, similar, I guess. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for making Whoa. me sound relevant. Right, anyway, so, 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 so that's the jujitsu. And, and then what's the Brazilian side of it? The Brazilian side, that's the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Okay. I, just, I just say Brazilian BJJ. Okay. And then the wrestling is two things. Takedown or takedown defense. Those are the two things that wrestling brings. Um, of course, once it hits the ground, their years of, 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 uh, of you know, getting positions have to do with things but to me once it hits the bottom it's all about bjj and then once it goes down getting getting it to the ground or keeping it standing that's the wrestling so that's where the good wrestling so the pivoting if you're a good wrestler you dictate if it stays up or goes down so the different disciplines and to master each one of those and you probably see in the evolution of the sport you probably see some things are more popular. New things are introduced. Yeah. Uh, when you're looking for new talent, who are the folks that are nowadays really sought after that have a strength in a specific discipline? Or does it have to be completely well-rounded or you're, you're done? Or yeah, what nowadays. Do you yeah. you got to be well-rounded. When, when, <clears throat> when, when, when uh, Hoist Gracie came up, he was the first one. He was like 170 pounds. He was choking out or arm barring everyone. Um, so it was all about BJJ. Everybody wanted to do BJJ then. 
and it was so popular. But then he didn't quite, uh, and, and a lot of the Gracie guys, they didn't, um, they didn't adapt as well to the other stuff. Because then all of a sudden, people were learning how to defend the, the, the submissions and get up off the bottom. Then they were, you know, they were winning. They were knocking them out. So then all of a sudden, wrestling came up. Like great wrestlers, yeah. Like Mark Coleman, Kel, uh, Kevin Randleman, etc. And then everything was about wrestling. Everybody wanted to go to a wrestling camp, and they'd do a weekend camp at a, from some high school wrestler. Now, now all the guys were doing underhooks and overhooks and double legs, and so there is the flavor of the month, you know. And then the striking Muay Thai, everybody's Muay Thai. They don't even know what Muay Thai it's means. It's kickboxing. Yeah, it's just it, it, kicking and yeah. punching, elbow, etc. So there are, they come and go in, in phases. But, but you have to be, you have to be a master. You know, you have to be a, a you have to know them all without being a master of one. But you have to know them all. So it's, it's, it's a tough one. MMA is a lot, it's a... I think of it like baseball is like it's is a multi-dimensional sport. MMA is a much, much uh, multi-dimensional sport. If you did boxing, that would be like baseball players. You just threw the ball back and forth, and that was the entire sport. Yeah, yeah. If you did, you know, kickboxing, you'd throw the ball back and forth, and maybe do some ba- base uh, running, right? Because you don't have to know it all, right? So, for to be an MMA fighter. You have to have the multi-dimensional skills like a baseball player does. You can't just throw the ball back and forth and think you can box and get away with it. Who, who are some of the folks you're working with now that up and coming and at, fourth ranked in the world you're, you're working with? Yeah, that's Glover Teixeira, who's fighting at Thiago Santos. Um, I, I don't know if the date's been put out yet. I know the date, but it's in November. Um, it's going to be in Vegas at that apex because we can't have crowds yet. We'll, we're going to get to that. We can't have crowds yet. We're, we're going to get to how we're sitting here together because obviously we're not sitting here because I am a brilliant um, understander of MMA and UFC. Uh, we're sitting here for a whole other set of reasons. Did we finish the Chuck thing? Chuck, uh, so Chuck, next thing you know, Chuck won the world title. Yeah. And now we got Chuck. Yeah. Chuck is a, probably... Probably one one of the greatest fighters that that's yeah. ever lived. Yeah, and he's one, one, one he's people love. Let me tell you why people love Chuck. In one short reason, and this you'll understand it if you hear this. Chuck, and I've seen this firsthand. Chuck will treat the guy asking him for a quarter on the side of the street. Seen this with my own eyes. Treat him exactly the same as he will treat Shaq O'Neal. When he meets him in his dressing room, telling Chuck how he's his favorite fighter, he treats them both the same. Okay, exactly the same. He doesn't look down at this guy and look up to this guy. He treats them both with respect. Now, I've also seen Chuck eating. Just just got done cutting weight. He's starving. He's eating, and someone grabs his hand. Most guys would kill for that, and says, "I want to take a picture." And Chuck will go, "Hey, sure, come on in. What's your name?" And he'll take a picture. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Everybody. You'll, he won't treat anyone. He treats everyone with the utmost respect. At the very top of his game, he's, he was still doing that. Never turned down a picture or an autograph. Ever. Right. Ever. I, I, okay. So Ever. I, I'm, the pastor of a, I, I'm the pastor of a small church. Yeah. That ends up 
getting larger because we're the only one open. And, and Chuck shows up here. Everyone knows who he is. There's talk about it. I just say hello to him. He's, he's very endearing and pleasant and kind. And I'm watching people come up and I'm thinking, the, the guy's in church. Leave him alone. But, but to them, he's bigger than life. And he is just, he, every single person wasn't an interruption for him. To the yeah. point where he would get up to greet people and someone would take his seat. And he'd end up being out in, you know, the Netherlands trying to find a place just to sit. And he won't say that's my seat. He won't say that's his seat. So we no. finally just, I, I just said. He wouldn't do that. Keep, keep him a seat so the, the poor guy can sit down he with his family. Yeah. We, we, we got to a fight. He's number one. He's champ. He's, he's the big shot already. This is when Chuck was at the top. Yeah. And we get, a, you know, we get the car, you know, at the airport whenever we get to place to fight, right? The car didn't show up. So we're like, I would call whoever and get that car because you're the big shot. He goes, hey, let's just catch a cab, bro. Let's just do a cab. He's like, <laughs> well, we get the car. Let's get the limo because you're the big shot. He's like, just catch a cab. And he just calls a cab. He doesn't even care. Yeah. He never even told right. the guy, hey, you didn't have a car waiting for me. He didn't even, he didn't, he would never do that. Life's too short. No. Yeah. Jeez, so. All right. So, so Chuck, Chuck's a connection for the two of us, but that's not really how I got to know you. Um, and, and I'm, I'm grateful to have the privilege to sit with you, but the thing that intrigues me is much like the mayor in Nevada city, Rynette Senum, she resigned from her position as mayor. I resigned from city council over the draconian and you got a better, but over the draconian, you know, tyrannical rule of, of governor Mussolini and we connected and politically, we're a little different. I would say spiritually, we're a little bit closer now, but certainly different in our upbringing. It wasn't church. It wasn't our spiritual background that brought us together. It's the fact that the two of us sitting here, we love liberty. Am I hmm. fair to say that? No, I, I, I've, you know, I've, I've loved it. Uh, I knew it wasn't, you know, I know what's right and wrong, and I knew that I know what we want, and it's, it's weird how people can't see it. I look at them and um, I just look at someone. I won't even say it starts with a D. And I just like, huh? no, how do you not see that? It's a, Liberty is such an easy thing. Like you could go on and on little policies here and there. Oh, collusion this, illusion this, preclusion this, whatever. But there's some basic things like liberty, like freedom, like right or wrong. It's yeah. just right or wrong. Yeah. Let's just erase conspiracy theory and collusion and uh, Democrat, Republican. Let's just erase it. Let's just look at it this way. You have a gym that you oversee. I have a church that I oversee. The government shuts your gym or demands to shut your gym and demands to shut our church. And we live in a nation that protects the fifth amendment protects your business. The first amendment protects the church. And you say, and, and we, and early on when we didn't know the severity of the virus, we were willing to play by the yeah, rules, Yeah, but we're, we we're educated. We read and we start to realize this has nothing to do with the virus. Wow. This is control. And you stand in defiance in San Luis Obispo, Royal Grande, you stand in defiance of the state and the County and the city, and you open up your gym, and you don't social distance, and you don't wear masks. You allow people to wear masks, but you 
you believe in personal freedom and taking personal responsibility and the free exercise. And here we are sitting together. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting how when we lose, when the stream of liberty dries up and we go upstream, it's amazing how we find each other drinking at that location together. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, it's, it's scary you're, stuff. You're tough in the ring. I'd never want to face you in a physical bout at 60, even at 56. Man, I, I was an all-American swimmer, but I'm not a fighter. But I'll tell you what, none of that moves me more than the fact of how you stand in defense of those who are losing their liberty. And you do it bravely, and you're willing to lose whatever's necessary. I, I, yeah. that's, that's why I wanted the people to meet you tonight. Thanks. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's a terrible, it's a terrible time and a great time at the same time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See, this is a great. Yeah. It's defining. Uh, yeah. And then the, the, my wife and I, it's, it's the fact that we're doing it together. It's great. The people that come up and hug me and thank me for, you know, doing, you know, you know, it was a gun thing. Yeah. We'll talk about that. But, uh, and, and, and giving them a place to train. Yeah. Cause, uh, people want a place to train like, uh. I, w I was telling you about Solzhenitsyn with yeah. the Gulag Archipelago and the two things they shut down in the Soviet Union. The very first two things they started to shut down were churches and gyms. And, I mean, you can open casinos, but keep the, the gyms closed. The drug dealer down oh, the street. You can open cannabis and abortion drug clinics. Drug dealer down the street. Yeah. Can stay open. Uh, you, you, can't, you can't get any medications online. But you can have a medical procedure and, and medication given for, as we in the, in the evangelical community, the abortion is, is an anathema to us. We do just struggle over it. You can do that, but you can't get medication to, to deal with whatever's between you and your doctor and how you want to treat whatever this virus is. And the pharmacist says to the doctor, you can't prescribe that. That's never happened before in the history of our country. Yeah. We're just mm. watching an overreach of government and it's unifying all of us. I mean, we wouldn't be sitting next to each other. I mean, this just doesn't make sense. I, 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 I'm asking you questions about a world I know very little about. And you could ask me questions about a world that though you have respect for, and I have respect for, we know very little about each other's worlds, but this has unified us. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know who I feel like right now? Theon Greyjoy. Theon Greyjoy from, from, uh, from Game of Thrones. Okay. Now, Ramsey Bolton, who's like our governor, he was an evil, evil person. He did horrendous things to poor Theon Greyjoy. We are like the Theon Greyjoys, and our governor, you know, or all our leaders right now, are, are, they're like, uh, like um, Ramsey Bolton. The things he did to Theon Greyjoy is like, talk about, you know, Dragonian. He's like Dragonian. It's, it's, that doesn't even, it's like uh, micro. That's like a micro to what they're doing. They're, yeah. they're you know, he, castra he, he castrated, he physically castrated Theon Greyjoy and tortured him for, for months and months and months. And this is a series uh, that you watched. Game that, of Thrones. Yeah, and, yeah, and I, some people I know ever. are very familiar with it. I so haven't watched it. My, Theon my Greyjoy, have. just check yeah. that out. The way he was treated by Ramsey Bolton is the way we're being treated by our own, by our own, you know, I, I, we're, not, we're, not, we're not doing 
parties, you, political parties? You can do whatever you oh. want. You have That's free, how we're you being treated here. by the Democrats right now. Yeah. That's how we're being treated yeah. by the Democrats. Yeah. We're being I, I, treated like, like I would, I would Theon say, Greyjoy. I would say secular progressives who are globalists and you know want want to move us into a realm of socialism and Marxism. That just yeah. happen to be I, Democrats. I, the, well, yeah, <laughs> the, the party's been hijacked. Yeah. Uh, there, there are Democrats that used to be true liberals, and yeah. and, and they've lost their party, and um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm nothing against liberals. Liberals are, they're cute and stuff, and they're fun and good at floral <laughs> arrangements and shit like that. But now they've turned into full-on leftists. It's not even, it's not even Marxism anymore. It's, it's just full-on, and there's no socialism. It's communism. It's gone. Yeah. It's switched all that. Yeah. It's it's this communism. It's they're shutting us down. And the drug dealer down the street, the lady got tased. The football game without For, a mask. Yeah, because yeah. she, she's watching socially distance her child play football, and she's not going to wear a mask because she's with her family, and they tased her. Yeah. They tased her and arrested her. Yeah, and they, they cuffed arrested, her. And they arrested people worshiping. Theon Greyjoy. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's what it is. I want to. I'm going to read this to you if you don't mind. Uh, um, and you have the ability to clearly say no, and I will listen. <laughs> so um, he'll arm wrestle you. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, David. That hurts me. That inside. is so mean. Yeah, yeah, it is mean. It is mean. It's heartless. Yeah, mean. <laughs> so, uh, well, he didn't arm wrestle anyone on a yeah, we no, watching not, boat. Not that he's, a he's a pilot. He's a pilot. He's a pilot. He's a pilot. Yes. Yeah. Watch those arms. I'll tell so, my arm wrestling story so, later. So, uh, one of the larger churches <laughs> in California refuses to open, and then kind of sent out a reason why. And a friend of mine inquired of them, and said, first of all, why did you march with BLM?" Because it's a Marxist organization, uh, you know, the black tile on your website and, and, and just why aren't you open and on and on and on. And they sent a letter back to my friend who inquired. And part of the letter said this. It said, we're not a political church. We do take the safety of our members and the community very seriously. And out of love and concern, we're not meeting in large group for weekend services. Now, that seems... On the surface, cool, but here's the problem. You can't say that anymore, that you're not political. It just doesn't work. And, and I responded, and I, I, I sent this. I said, I recognize the choice that your church has made, that it was out of love and concern, but you cannot say you're not political, or you can't say you're not political. Politics is the highest form of community in that it combines morality and sociability. The pastors who have chosen to fully open their churches deeply love their communities and congregants too, and are also very concerned for the health and safety of their people just like you. To say you're not political is not accurate. You have chosen to politically stand with officials who have ruined our economy, closed our schools, divided our people between essential and non-essential, and declared our churches as non-essential. Yes, your church has weathered the financial storm while churches while many churches haven't and will never reopen. You marched with BLM and you post a, a black tile online when 75% of the businesses in Los Angeles that were burned and looted during the riots were Jewish owned and targeted. How can you say you're not political? The pastors that have opened have been maligned and ridiculed and yet in love and great concern for their communities, they stand against a government that has forced their neighbors' businesses into bankruptcy. That same government forces the abused into communities to, 
in their communities to be quarantined with their abusers. The same government forces their elderly to die alone, all while these officials of the government receive full paychecks provided by the punished neighbors whose taxes are the highest in the nation. These churches have been fined and shuttered, and yet you stand with the political view that this is acceptable for a virus that isn't even calculated like every other virus in our nation's history. I'm almost finished. Instead, this virus is measured by who has contracted it. Our governor continues to trample small businesses of California with a shifting impossible metric to, in order to reopen, all while the state's homeless population and poverty rates now lead the entire nation. Politically, your church consents and silently waits downstream to collect the impoverished and devastated human heartache they help create by complying to this government malfeasance. You are political, even if you choose to think you are not. What are your thoughts on that? Too much? I, I, I wouldn't want to be him. I'm glad I'm not that guy. Where is he now? He's hiding in a corner somewhere. He's crying. I don't know, but what? What? I mean, what? I well, mean, I, I mean, it's accurate. It's, it's, it's people that have a black tile on their Instagram or whatever social media. Right there, you're political. You can't not be. <coughs> if you say anything about Black Lives Matter, you're political because they're a political organization. They don't even try to hide it. Well, they would say, we don't believe in their non-Christian organization. We just wanted to support black lives. Yeah, but you have to add that they're a Marxist organization. Right, I mean, against family yeah. values and against the father in the home. I, I, I thought of it this way when you were talking. They're asking for your lunch money. Yeah. You going to give it? Yeah, and, and lunch money is more than a quarter. It's whatever. It's your you business. It's or, your business. It's your life. It's your business. It's your family. It's... Uh, you know, or, or, or for Chuck, it's, it's winning a title. You're going to take his title. Anything that's dear to you and, you know, is, is your lunch money. Yeah. And we fight for our lunch money. And our gym is going to fight for our lunch money. Your church is going to fight for its lunch money. And the people that don't are, are, are making a political, they're making a political st a stand. They're making a, they're, they're saying some loud. Yeah, silence in the, Silence in the face of evil is complicit with evil itself, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. Uh, he was a minister boosted against Hitler in Nazi Germany. I, I, <clears throat> I was thinking in relation to the comment, uh, especially with the lunch money, but we just watched, regardless of how people feel about the president, we just watched him go through COVID, and they're saying, oh, he's breathing hard and he's playing a game, or whatever they said. But I do know this. They continually called him morbidly obese okay that's a core morbidity right mm -hmm. why are they shutting gyms if being in shape reduces your risk of dying because they don't want to because they, they want to they don't want to reduce yeah. our, our risk of dying at all they don't care yeah. about our risk of dying they're they're closing the gym but letting the the you know the drug dealer down the street open it's control it's it's yeah. it's uh you call it Marxist, I call it communist control. And, and, and when, when, you know, they combine the marching and the, and the riots, right, the protests, which turn into riots 30% of the time. So More. But, yeah, and yeah. so I, I, um, 
you know, I, I take that very seriously. And, and for some reason, it's not only accepted or it's not only tolerated by the left, the Democrats, it's encouraged. It's encouraged. Like, they like, yeah, black lives matter. Black, and they love it. They love that chaos. I think it's, it's the chaos they love. And when someone like me or you stand up for our business like I did, we had guys with guns on the roof because I was scared to death that my wife and I were going to lose our business. The, the, the Second Amendment was given yeah. to protect your property. They think that only a militia is allowed to be armed, but the militia was the populace. Yes. When the government fails to protect its citizens, the citizens are forced to protect themselves. That's why gun sales have skyrocketed. And it's not right-wing, you know, no. uh, su- supremacists. It's, it's secular progressives and anti-Second Amendment folks that are going, I got to go get a gun. Yeah. yeah. Because our drummer <clears throat> in our worship band works at VC Defense. He says that people coming in would, would you know, revile him a, a few months ago, and they're saying, how do I get a gun? Yeah, yeah. They, they, all of a sudden, they turn around, and they want to go, well, they, I mean, they, they, uh, they'll say that, and then all of a sudden, they'll need a gun. Or they'll say, how dare President Trump, you know, stop the Paris Accord? We have, you know, we're, you know, we need the greenhouse and we have the, you know, Green New Deal and we have all these problems with the air. And then they jump on a plane and go to Europe. So, yeah. I mean, the, the, the hypocrisy of it, you're not going to explain it away because it's going to make no sense. Yeah. Right. We want to we want to open the borders. We want to be free to everyone. Lock the door, honey. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it seems as though in the 6,000 years of recorded history, and we don't have to go Republican or Democrat. Let's just do it this way. 6,000 years of recorded history, pretty much every government on the face of the earth has been an oligarchy. The few rule the many. You have a 244-year experiment in America where you have we the people. And yet you, you, you have the elites coming in to violate the Constitution they swore to defend that they probably don't even know how many articles are in it or could give a rip about it. They don't understand what the First Amendment, Second, or Fifth Amendment is, and they're, they're coming in to violate that. And the only way it can be stopped is the same way that you can stop someone in the pit. Is if you don't have muscles and you haven't trained and you're not using those muscles, you won't have them when it's needed. Rights are like muscles. If you don't exercise them, you lose them. Uh, it's also like an immune system. Yeah. <laughs> if we don't use our immune system, we're going to lose that too. That's right. Yeah. And it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not, not have, have it. it. That's a and great. That's, uh, that's, uh, we, 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 we thrive by that in our second amendment, our, you know, gun, gun, you know, and when people say, let me just say one thing that irritates me to no end when it, when we talk about the second amendment, well, you know, back in 1776, they didn't have, uh, they didn't have AR, AR-15, so it's a whole different... They didn't have Facebook either, so should we do away with the First Amendment? Yeah. I'm telling you, it, it's like they have, they have guns to protect us against not only intruders, but our government. The government, yeah. right. Right, so they wanted us to have guns equal to our governments. Yeah. The Declaration says when a government fails... To protect those inalienable rights and infringes, it's our right and our duty. Yeah. So I, I want a right and a duty, but I want the ability to enforce that. So if you're coming at me with a weapon, I want to be able to resist. Whether it's the government or, mm-hmm. or an intruder. And either way, 
an AR-15. Anyone that doesn't need an AR-15, don't take one. But if you don't have one and you need it, you're, you're, I mean, you're done. Yeah. And, you know, so those people that say that, it's like, wait, did you just really say that when you guys want the second or the first amendment, you think it's, you know, you're, you're a keyboard warrior. You're so brave on your keyboard and you're talking about the second amendment while you're just trashing the first amendment. And it's, 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 it's mind boggling. Yeah. 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 I, we, we usually finish at the top of the hour, but I wanted to conclude. You, you, had, you had said the definition of one of these martial arts was the rule of fists. Law of the fist. The law of the fist. What's it? Kempo. Kempo. Law of the fist. And as you've been talking, and I'm watching your hands because you're expressive, and I, I, I like the way you, you d- describe things, I noticed two tattoos, one on each hand. On this one, it says bad news. Can you show everybody? And that one's good news. And now I'm going to transition because this is a good way to kind of close the program. The, the law of the fists. Uh, the, the bad news is, and we're going to talk about Romans 13. And in Romans 13, it's the Christian doctrine of how do we deal with civil authority. And it says all, all authority is given by God. And we're to submit to all positions of authority because they're there for our good. I'm a minister and I'm violating the governor's order. And ministers are saying you're violating Romans 13. It goes further in Romans 13 to say that they carry the sword and they're ministers of justice to execute wrath on those who would do evil. Speaking of law enforcement or military. Yeah, okay. I'm in agreement with everything the pastors are saying. That we're to honor authority. But what those pastors don't understand that you do is the authority in America is found in the first three words of the preamble of the Constitution. We the people. And they're bound by the articles of the Constitution. And they govern by our consent. And when they violate that, we are ministers of justice to execute wrath on those who would do evil. We don't carry the sword, Second Amendment, for no reason. We carry it because when you come to take my gym or ruin my business... Because of your political agenda that is in violation of the Constitution you swore to defend, there's going to be bad news. Yeah. Is they, they don't have the right anymore. It's like they gave up their right to say that anymore. They gave up their right. Then, yeah. you know, they, their right is, is, is gone once, they, once they're trying to take our means away from us. I, I would, and then I'm going to close with the good news because we always want to end on good news. The, the good news is a, that phrase right there is the most important word, second I would say, only to Jesus in the entire Bible. In Greek, that means ulangelion, translated gospel. And the bad news is mankind wants to suppress humanity and enslave them. That's the sin nature. We're always trying to take over. It's, it's the law of the jungle. And, and before you go on, and the only way, the only way to deal with an evil, powerful person with evil intent is a greater power is to have a good person that has more power and is more skilled. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. You know what? I think we're going to have to ordain you tonight because you are going <laughs> to nail this. So the good news is, that Christ has overcome the world. Greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. What that means is, 
we have the ability to stand in defiance. And I was thinking about Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. He's, he's standing, he's in a jail in Birmingham, Alabama. And he's being reviled because he has the audacity to say that God doesn't judge the color of our skin, but the content of our character. And the ministers in town say, you're on the wrong side of history because you're in jail. And he says, no, you're on the wrong side of history because you're not in jail with me. Hmm. You can stand in strength because you stand with God who is more powerful than anyone that's ever stepped into the pit. And that's the good news that I'm not afraid. I don't possess your physical strength nor your unbelievable ability. But I do know this. I'm immortal until God's done with me and the principles upon which you and I stand are dear to the heart of the Lord. And I wanted everyone tonight to meet a man who's standing for liberty and I wanted to say thank you. You bless Thank us, you. John. Thank you. Yeah. I'm going to give that good news a handshake. Bless Thank you. you. That was I'm going uh, to pray, and okay. then we close with a blessing out of number six, which is, it's going to be for you tonight, but let me pray. Lord, thank you for John, and thank you for blessing us tonight with just the, the wisdom and the insight. You've, you've given a man who has been used to develop something so profound within uh, our our sporting world, and yet to, to develop people in discipline and to understand authority and to be under authority and then to realize that this government is trying to take away that which you've given to every individual. That this nation conceived in liberty and dedicated the proposition that all men are created equal, it's not going to perish from the face of the earth as long as John and I and David and so many others are here. We will stand to defend this nation and the freedom and the liberty of its citizens. So God, thank you for this brave man. Bless him. Bless his wife and his kids. And I just pray uh, a blessing upon his business and all who would enter that they would have the joy of drinking from the streams of liberty. And Lord, we know in 2 Corinthians, it says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And so Lord, point them that direction and thank you for that good news. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And this is a blessing for you, John, and I'm going to read it to you. It's out of number six, and we've done it for 187 episodes. John, may the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord make his face to shine upon you. And John, may he be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And John, may he give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You bet. Amen. You bless me. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Thank you. All right, folks. Well, this, this was a, a wonderful episode for me. I have never sat with somebody uh, with, with so much skill and talent in a world I know very little about, and I'm intrigued by it and moved. And I have a greater understanding of why Christ so was moved by the centurions. And what you heard from John tonight was unbelievable. This is a man under authority. He understands the law of the fist. He understands how things operate. And yet in all of that, he grasps the concept of liberty more than most of the pulpits in America. And so it's been a great privilege to be with you. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow night, everyone. God bless you all.